Hello and welcome to episode the 34th uh, of Crying in the Book Club. I'm your host, Jean-Luc, and it's been a while since you've heard me introduce an episode, but I decided, you know, it was time for me to take charge again. I am joined, as always, by my good friends and yours. Uh, Emily is here. Hello. And uh, the lovely Alex is also here. Am I allowed to talk because I'm not hosting, or like should I be silent for the whole the rest of the way? No, you're you're allowed to talk. I I, I talk a lot on the episodes that I don't host. It's, it's you know up. one of my worst attributes. Disagree. The le- the more you talk, the less I have to talk. Yeah, that's that's fair. The more I talk, the more I have to hear myself in the edit, though. So it's mm. oh yeah. See, I don't all, edit this show. Maybe it's kind of all downside for me. Maybe I could be on another coheed episode. Now that this yeah. logic of not having to say anything, see, you know, you wouldn't have to say anything. Uh, you could. We would be saying a lot of things. We we may have to do a coheed episode again because I believe the Prize Fighter Inferno tie-in comic, My Brother's Blood Machine, is now wrapped and I think has been wrapped for a couple months. And I know so. jack shit about. Uh, the prize fighter inferno lore so yeah well, yeah, i definitely want to get in on that i'll say that as a big fan of the texas chainsaw massacre you probably know more about the prize fighter inferno lore than you think you do fair enough but you know we'll, we'll we'll get into that we'll save that for a later day today we're talking about something that emily is an expert in uh wonderful women <laughs> okay, I was about to say no, but yes, actually. <laughs> um, no, I think if any of us is the the Wonder Woman head on this show, it's probably me. Although I know Alex, you've probably read a fair number of Wonder Woman comics as well in your day. You speak the most Wonder Woman. Alex speaks the second most Wonder Woman. I speak the third most Wonder Woman. I don't speak Wonder Woman. Right, third most Wonder Woman. <laughs> the math checks out. I've uh, you know I've read some comics. I read the thing, original like hundred issues of the classic one too from uh-huh. back in the day. Oh, great! So you'll recognize a lot of what we're talking about today because we are talking about Wonder Woman Earth One, written by Grant Morrison and drawn by Yannick Paquette. Uh, I guess I should probably give some background on what Earth One means. I would We've- love to know. Because I keep, in my head, I kept calling this Wonder Woman year one because there's all those other, you know, hero year one comics. But like, I know it's not. Wonder Woman year one is a different book that was written by Greg Rucka. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's, uh, I totally understand because it is confusing that DC has the year one books, which have become like a popular subtitle and also the Earth one books, which significantly less popular but i think there might be more of them so earth one is a series well we've talked about elseworlds books before on the show earth one books are elseworlds books but they kind of all have a specific bent which is that they're supposed to be updated versions of the characters for the specifically for the 2010s although some of these books have uh not had consistent release schedules. I believe the third volume of this came out in 2021. And I think the the Green Lantern book also may have come out in 2020. So, you know, they, 
Well, some of the, if you go back and read the, the first iterations, the Superman and Batman ones, now they might already seem a little bit dated. Uh, but they're supposed to reimagine DC characters in more realistic settings. So if you kind of, the, the closest parallel is probably the Marvel's Ultimate Universe. Okay. Which also did something similar, although for, for the early 2000s. Um, but yeah, the idea was basically to remove the decades of continuity that were still are seen as like a real impediment for new readers to get into these characters. Yeah, I was actually like a really big fan of the Marvel Ultimate books when I was yeah. a kid for that very reason. So yeah. wait, this is this is just DC's New 52 is what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, it is but. a pre-New 52 attempt to bring in new readers, yes. I think it's a post-New uh, 52 attempt. Kicked off in 2010 with oh, that's uh, Superman up. Earth 1. Yeah. That's messed uh, up. It would have been really messed up if they relaunched their whole like line of books. And then we're like, also, we have this other product for new readers, the Earth 1 books. Um, although, in a lot of senses, you are right because... Originally, both Superman and Batman Earth One were supposed to come out in 2010, but Batman got delayed because they wanted it to release as a tie-in with The Dark Knight Rises, which, you know, back in the Halcyon days of believing... Dipshit idea, but sure. Halcyon days of believing that movie uh, sales moved comic books, which fortunately everybody seems to have gotten... Well... No, no one's gotten over that yet. People still believe that that's uh, that that's true. But I it was also, you know, believe. supposed. To, yeah, it was also supposed to give characters more relatable problems. That's kind of like what the Ultimate Universe did by, you know, particularly with like the Spider-Man and X-Men books, reinventing them as like younger characters that would attract new audiences. Um, Wonder Woman was the fourth series to get an Earth One treatment. It was preceded by Superman, Batman, and Teen Titans. Uh, and then I believe after the only other series to get an Earth One book was Green Lantern, which came out much later. Um, the Wonder Woman Earth One is uh, spread across three volumes that came out in 2016, 2018, and 2021. So all of them, I don't know that they were necessarily delayed, but there was a significant gap between them. Uh, they're fairly short. They they just break 100 pages. I think the, the graphic novels end up being about 150, but the last 30 pages or so are sketches uh, of Yannick Paquette's like, character designs and, and early art. So, Yeah, there's... reading these was uh, <laughs> easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Yeah, they are, they are very quick reads. Um, very quick reads. Uh, Unlike, I would say, and we'll, we'll get into this later, I expect, but but unlike some of the other Earth One books, uh, Grant Morrison took kind of a different approach to Wonder Woman where they drew pretty heavily on past, like, elements from past Wonder Woman comics. So they said in an interview when the first volume came out that uh, they always wanted to take it back to the original concept uh, because Wonder Woman was envisioned as a scientist and a healer, and they thought, "What is her mission in the real world? It's not that she—it's not that she comes here to fight crime. She would be someone who has a philosophy that she really believes in, which she thinks could be useful and might make things better." So it was really a 
stripping down of the character almost more than a, you know, new take uh, on her. Uh, and Morrison also, you know, used the Earth One imprint as an opportunity to go back to a lot of the themes of early Wonder Woman comics, uh, in particular, like the character's roots in uh, non nonviolence and uh, queer, uh, queer and kink subcultures as well. Um, they said that uh, we felt that she needed to be written that way. There's a sense that you cannot say that a society of 3,000 year old women uh, gave up having sex because they fell out with men. Uh, that's not something that necessarily needs to be dwelt on or brought up or brought to the obvious four in the way that Marston did, referring to William Moulton Marston, the creator of Wonder Woman. Uh, but I certainly think Wonder Woman does have to acknowledge that debt and kind of carry the standard for the alternative and the queer. So there are a lot of elements of this book, everything from the purple healing rays to the Amazonian hover bikes to uh, Wonder Woman's kangaroo. Invisible uh, jet. The invisible jet, the invisible jet, and the even thematically things like the idea of loving submission that uh, have sort of been scrubbed from not sort of, but have almost entirely been scrubbed from modern Wonder Woman comics. Uh, and in typical Morrison fashion, they went back to a lot of those elements and brought them uh, into a contemporary comic. Um, they also made some changes to the supporting cast, so a lot of these characters are familiar. Uh, but Morrison re reimagines Steve Trevor uh, as still a member of the U.S. Air Force, but uh, he's an African-American in this book. Uh, Etta Candy is renamed Beth Candy, and uh, although physically she's similar, her portrayal is, uh, the character is quite different. Um, and then he also imagines reimagines villains like Dr. Psycho. Uh, also for a contemporary setting, which we'll get into because I think Dr. Psycho is a lot of fun in this book. Uh, but yeah, so, so that's kind of the background on it. I know that that's a lot, but I wanted to get through like a lot of table setting for this yeah. book before we got into the, into the plot summary and stuff. But before I get into the plot summary and I'll try to keep the plot summary brief, but before I get into that, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, uh, and we've alluded to this a little bit, but how much experience you guys have with Wonder Woman comics what and I guess even if you haven't read the comics, like what your impressions of of Wonder Woman as a character was before reading this comic, the or these comics rather. Hmm. Well, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, yeah, Wonder Woman comics. I, I think the first Wonder Woman comic that I really enjoyed was um, um, the one from New Fifty Two. With Brian Azzarello, Cliff Chang, Cliff Chang um, which it's, you know, really different than this book. Um, a much more, you know, similar like ideals of like Wonder Woman at this, as this like being of like love, but the way in which she sort of like her whole, her whole, her whole outlook and the way that she approaches that is, is way different in the whole, um, uh, you know, in that book, but also a great series. And I think it's one we talked about on uh, some sort of format of this show, the previous one. Yeah, um, me, I think. Yeah, but then um, after that, I had I had a phase, not a phase, uh, where I read all the um, old Batman comics. They had these things called the Batman, the Chronicle series. So it'd be like mm -hmm. in order of publication. They had Batman, Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. Uh, so I was able to read. I think I have the first five or six volumes of the Wonder Woman one, and just sort of go through all those and and get a get a sense for it. Which was there's they're very interesting because they are like very bondage heavy. Where like in every issue, someone is tied up. And it doesn't always like make sense, but it always happens kind of thing. Um, 
So reading this book was the first modern book of Wonder Woman. And I'm like, okay, like they're going back to that in a way that makes sense. And there's, and there's a lot of that in here. Uh, and the other thing was the super friends TV show where she was just sort of a character. Um, and then I guess the justice league one too, where she's more of a warrior and she's like very violent, um, you know, as the Amazons are portrayed in it. But yeah, that's, that's Wonder Woman and me. Um, I have sort of a disparate history with Wonder Woman. I, uh, despite being like the resident SJW have not really uh, read any Wonder Woman books before this. Um, I was mostly just familiar with her through like pop culture. And I like very specifically, I'm trying to remember, uh, John, you might be able to help me out with this one. There was a Wonder Woman animated movie that came out probably in like, 20 uh wonder woman bad blood something like that yeah um, is it the gail simone yeah one? i was gonna say it was 2010s but tw- 2009 it, would it make might sense. have just been called wonder woman actually um, um but, but that, yes that, it was part of the the dc animated stuff yeah i i watched that at my, <laughs> my sometimes my uh when i was living uh with my parents my local comic book shop would have uh like movie nights where they would like just have like a it wasn't even like a big tv it was like a tv that you would wheel into like a school classroom to show a video <laughs> or something and uh we would watch movies sometimes and one time the movie that we watched was this fucking wonder woman movie and that was probably like my biggest exposure to wonder woman until uh i mean like the 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 gal gadot movie came out sure. um, oh yeah and i mean like okay and i had i watched some uh of the justice league cartoon weirdly enough um i don't know if you guys i i don't remember how much i have told you guys about this but um and i know i can say this because she's not listening um but my sister is a really big wonder woman fan and mm-hmm. i don't actually know like i know she's read a bunch of comics because like my her ex-husband was really into comics so like he would like buy her comics and so i know she's read like a bunch of stuff but i don't know like what specifically but um like my sister's like a huge wonder woman fan she's got like wonder woman action figures she has a wonder woman tattoo like um and it's very funny um i edit this out i think my sister's wonder woman tattoo is ugly i will find a picture of it and i will send it to you guys um relying on me to edit something out is crazy please 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 and and edit this out too but i just want to know in my head it can't just be the wonder woman symbol it can't be a w no it has to be a face kind of like uh it's like a i i don't want to say like it's it's a pinup but like it that makes it sound like gross or something but um it's just like a i don't think it's like it's like it, well i just don't want to give off a certain impression but it's like a like yeah. a classic style pinup but anyway yeah. i think it's kind of, i think it's kind of ugly john like please edit this out <laughs> anyway um yeah so but but yeah my sister has a wonder woman tattoo and she's a big wonder woman fan but i just like never got around to really reading any wonder woman specific comics she's like shown up in things that i've read she showed up in things that i've watched but this is the first dedicated wonder woman book that i've read Interesting. Okay. Well, it's good to, to have that context, I think, because I think it'll, it kind of informs some of the response to this comic at the time and some of the, you know, ongoing responses to, uh, 
Wonder Woman Earth One uh, over the years because it is uh, that. I don't want to say there's often discourse about this book, but you know, you can every, you know, a couple times every year, someone will post some screenshots of, you know, some particular panels I that I'm sure could see this book being discourseable. Yeah. <laughs> this no, is like that's, only, what there, that's what we're here to do. There's like one Nazi in it. Like that's it. <laughs> well, there's actually a lot more than one, but well, there's one that wears the paraphernalia and is all like, Hey, yeah. what's up? There's one who's like a main character. Yeah. The main Nazi. Yeah. Who is also a, a classic Wonder Woman character from way back in the day. But True. anyway, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll get into the plot summary and then we can sort of dive more uh, into, into this book itself. Um, the first volume is largely a retelling of the classic Wonder Woman origin story. Um, it opens on a flashback to Hippolyta and the Amazons freeing themselves from enslavement at the hands of Hercules. Uh, and founding the paradise island of Themyscira. Uh, and I'll women all female uh island where uh they live in peace and harmony uh and hang out and do lots of cool stuff together uh and then it flashes forward uh we see wonder woman on trial in themiscira and you're like whoa why is wonder woman on trial isn't she like one of the good guys dun, dun, uh, dun. But, uh you know we'll get to that we'll get back to that but uh, it then, you know, flashes back again. Uh, Morrison does a lot of jumping around the timeline throughout throughout these volumes. This will be a, a, a recurring theme. Um, we, you know, sort of get a, a sense of how she's raised. She's, you know, the sort of wistful princess of Themyscira who, you know, from the out, an outsider's perspective, you'd think she has everything she wants, but she inside yearns for more. And in classic Wonder Woman fashion, at the peak of her yearning for more, who crashes on the island? But U.S. Air Force, I don't know what his rank is. I think he's a captain. Uh, Steve Trevor crash lands on Themyscira uh, after a, a brief sequence where Diana hides him from her sisters. She uh, go, uh, goes undercover to win the annual Themyscirian Games, which she has been forbidden from participating in, uh, in order to win the Invisible Jet. Uh, so that she can take Steve Trevor back to man's world uh, in complete defiance of her mother and every other Amazon on Themyscira. Um, so once they've returned to man's world, uh, Hippolyta sends uh, Medusa after Diana and Steve Trevor. Um, there's a bunch of things that, that happen in this time period. Wonder Woman has a run-in with uh, the U.S. Army, uh, she befriends a group of sorority girls, including, uh, as I mentioned, the reimagined Beth Candy. Um, and she, you know, sees Steve turned to stone by Medusa. Uh, she agrees at this point to return to Themyscira for trial, uh, where she basically explains what's ha everything that's happened since going to man's world. Uh, and it's also revealed uh, that she was originally created by Hippolyta, not because of, you know, Hippolyta's womanly desire to have a child, but uh, actually because she wanted uh, the most epic weapon ever to destroy, to someday wipe out man's world. Um, but a then weapon came to, to the, surpass man's world. Yeah, but then came to the conclusion that, oh no, she's so nice, I don't want her to do that anymore. Um, and so Wonder Woman, uh, you know, with this knowledge, she returns to man's world uh, to be a bridge between uh, them and Themyscira. Volume two uh, opens again on a flashback, this time to World War II, 
uh, when Themyscira had previously been discovered, but not by the Americans, but by a different group of Nazis, uh, the Germans. And under the leadership of Baroness Paula von Gunter, uh, who is a classic Wonder Woman villain uh, from way back in the day, uh, the and, Nazis. And what is her? What is her title, John Luke? She hasn't. She has like a, a super villain name. She does. I. I'm not. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, though. Damn! I was to... hoping you would because, like, I remember seeing it and giggling profusely, but um, I did not retain it. So uh, I don't. I... Yeah, she she was she's mostly just called the Baroness. In, yeah, uh, in Wonder Woman comics, but yeah, so she she's a, she's a classic villain. Um, and rather than you know dispatching her in the way they do some of her uh, Nazi comrades, the Themyscirans invite her onto the into their society for you know rehabilitation. Um, Back in the present, uh, we see parts of the American security state under the leadership of another classic Wonder Woman villain, Maxwell Lord, uh, preparing for war with the Amazons by developing something called Project Ares. Um, Okay, um, it was was Uber Fraulein. Uber Uber Fraulein. Fraulein. Nice. (laughs) Which apparently this book is the only book where she is called that. (laughs) I, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, that is her origin. She is like the Nazi Wonder Woman. The Uber Fraulein literally translates to mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, right? Like, yeah. Or, I guess not literally, but pretty close. Yeah. Um, Essentially. In, yeah. Um, so in order to keep Wonder Woman off the scent of Project Ares and also to derail her attempts to organize the women of the world in a righteous revolt against the patriarchy, uh, Lord enlists the help of Dr. Psycho, who has... Morrison has reimagined as a 4chan pickup artist style guy. Uh, you know, he's 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 not as fun as the Harley Quinn animated show version of him, but he's 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 pretty fun uh, in a kind obviously a very evil way. Yeah, he's kind of fun. Um, he is able to use you know his epic epic pickup artistry to get in uh, with Diana. Uh, get her guard down after having, you know, a deep conversation about the morality of subduing man's world with force. Um, and it, everything sort of comes to a head when Dr. Psycho is able to hypnotize her uh, and convince her that man's world uh, means harm to Themyscira, which it actually does. Uh, so I don't know, like, I don't really know what the game plan was there other than to, like, have Wonder Woman go out and, like, you know, st- basically say that she's going to subdue them with force. Um, While this is happening on Paradise Island, um, the intrusions of man's world have caused uh, Paula's Nazi brainwashing to resurface. Uh, It had been, you know, they, they had some different, more good brainwashing that overrode the Nazi brainwashing, but now the good brainwashing is gone in favor of the bad brainwashing. Uh, and she kills Hippolyta, uh, rips her heart out of her chest, um, which, you know, this is, it, it, as Hippolyta says, it had to happen. It was preordained by the fates. Uh, having killed Hippolyta, uh, the Uberfraulein uh, flies to, to Man's World to confront Wonder Woman. Oh, the last thing on volume two is that it ends with uh, Wonder Woman returning to Themyscira and being crowned uh, the queen of Themyscira. It was her plan. It was opinion, her plan all along. Uh, 
Yeah, in my opinion, all women are queens, but, you know, for some have to just choose one. Um, but anyway, uh, unlike Volumes 1 and 2, Volume 3 actually starts with a flash forward as opposed to a flash back. Uh, it flashes forward to a future where uh, the Amazons have succeeded in their goal. Uh, they haven't fully eradicated strife and uh, violence, but, you know, they, they, they've gotten close. Um in the present, Diana is struggling to adjust to her new role as queen. She parlays with a number of different factions uh, from alternate universes. Um, while she's doing this, Maxwell Lord reveals himself to be the god of war, Ares, uh, and sends his legion of uh, very sentinel-esque robots to conquer Themyscira. Um, the Amazons repel them, or at least they repel the first wave. Uh, but that's not the end of it. Uh, Diana is seeking her mother's wisdom, uh, goes to the underworld uh, to attempt to communicate with Hippolyta. Um, while she's there, she's nearly killed, but is saved by Steve uh, bring, pulling her back into the uh, real world, uh, the overworld. I don't know what the opposite of underworld is. <laughs> the world. Um, the world. That's You got it. You nailed it. Yeah. Um. After this, uh, Ares slash Maxwell Lord uh, arrives at Themyscira with a nuclear-powered mech suit uh, with the intent of self-destructing it and setting off a nuclear explosion over Themyscira. Uh, but he's actually, you know, easily defeated by uh, Diana and the rest of the Amazons, um, who then uh, lift Themyscira off the ground and float it over what appears to be New York City uh, and make a proposition to Man's World uh, that they should let them take over and do epic communism. And Man's World decides that sounds pretty epic. We all love epic communism. And having seen, you know, the awe-inspiring power of Wonder Woman, I guess, uh, lovingly subdue uh, themselves. Um, the narrative intertwines throughout Volume 3 with this flash-forward to sort of a forum where... Uh, a futuristic MRA-style guy shows up strapped with an explosive vest, um, and he is also defeated by love. It turns out that in a, utop in a peaceful utopia, uh, you can't actually get the parts to build uh, an improvised explosive device. So, you know, they, they solved that problem, too. Um, and the, the, the Volume 3 ends on the reveal that Diana has used Hippolyta's heart to reforge her mother out of clay, and in a sense, uh, become her own grandmother. Very, in very much Superman Red Sun style. Uh, what has happened before shall happen again, etc., etc. Um, this whole narrative is very intertwined with the idea of sort of like the Ouroboros, I guess, of like the snake eating its tail that everything will repeat itself over time. But yeah, that's uh, the plot uh, of Wonder Woman Earth One. Um so I guess now I can dive into it. I'm curious what your guys' sort of top-level thoughts are. Did you guys like the book? Do you guys have any reservations about it? How would you feel about the art, et cetera, et cetera, things of that nature? Well, let me say, I do have some some bones to pick with this book. But overall, I did really enjoy reading this. Uh, so I'm, mm. I'm glad that I, I had to read it for the show. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's like consistent in the way it like portrays things and and there's some things that i'm like oh i'm not sure about that but it's like it's consistent and overall i think it's a great great portrayal of wonder woman and, and the art by unique paquette it's like 
It's a oh, shame. Oh yeah, the art the... is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and, and Nathan Fairburn uh, colors. It's it's a shame he doesn't do interiors really, other than this book in the last like six years. And I'm sure he does like art that pays way more than comic art um, as well. But yeah, oh, overall, I think it's like a really strong trilogy. Um, it's really telling nice, one nice coherent story. And Alex, you, you'd read not the whole thing before, but the first two volumes. Previously. Yeah, I remember. Well, reading the first one when it came out, I was a little bit like, "Oh, I don't think this is very good." Um, but <laughs> to be fair, that was probably what twenty. Oh, I actually have no excuse. I don't know. Twenty sixteen. So rebirth time. Yeah. You know, some decisions uh-huh. were made a little before. Rebirth yeah, I remember not liking. Yeah. It. I remember being like, "Oh, this is kind of." It's kind of just okay, and it was a story that I'd heard, you know, and seen a lot of times. And the art, art by Unique Paquette was was good, but I didn't really love the way that Morrison like his little his little changes, uh, like their little they, changes in their style. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm, I'm glad that uh, coming back to it, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, because because I, I ended up I ended up reading it again probably like two three years ago, and then I was like, oh, this is really good. They this is like really good, and then got volume two, and then uh, I'm glad this gave us an excuse to read volume three. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I also can't say enough nice things about Yannick Paquette's art. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of times where he gets to draw like these big vistas where you see like Themyscira from an aerial view. Gorgeous, really gorgeous. Yeah, Um, and I love that he portrays Wonder Woman as being like a foot taller. Yes, like she's huge. I mean, they are Amazons. Yeah, no. I mean, that's I I that's one of the things I like about it is that there's kind of a. I mean, in, in the last, like, 20, 30 years, like, Wonder Woman has become, like, a little daintier, I would say. Like, she, more sex appeal, less, like, raw muscle or whatever. Which, you know, some people would say that's less sex appeal, but whatever. Uh, it, but this is very much, like, a, a kind of a different take on, on the character visually, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Um, and, yeah, Yannick Paquette is fantastic. I, I I have a little sketch that he did for me of when I when I had him sign something of uh, Wonder Woman in a little notebook that I have, so not here with me, but oh, fun. I, I back home. So that's cool. He rocks. He he drew Swamp Thing for a long time also. Yeah. So, okay, cool. You know, my, drew my two favorite DC characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, Emily, what were – and Alex, you mentioned having some reservations as well, but I'm curious to, to dig into those maybe a little bit because I feel like those may preempt some of uh, the questions that I came prepared with uh, if we want to get into some of that stuff. Um, and if they don't, that's fine too, but I'm just curious in general what, where your I mean, my uh, issues were. <laughs> I mean, my biggest issue, and this probably seems, like, so minor, but, like, my biggest issue is that, like, reading this, I didn't know that it came out in 2016, or, like, that it started in 2016, and I feel like the fat phobia with Beth's character, just, like, it made this comic feel older than it was. (laughs) Hmm. Like, I don't know. I guess, like, that stuff is still, like, super normal. But it was just, like, it just felt really, like, I understand that for the most part, like, the characters who are being fat phobic are, like, in the wrong. But it just, like, there was so much of it, especially in the beginning, that it was just kind of, like, I don't know. It's, like, we get it. Like, they hate her because she's fat or whatever. Like, but she's so, like cute and wonderful and it made me upset and i didn't like it 
That's fair. I wish I'd pulled this quote now because I read a bunch of interviews with Morrison while I was Yeah, I mean I I didn't read anything and so uh Yeah. They 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 have a quote about where somebody asks about like the like the beaut- like somebody asks about like how Wonder Woman has as a character creates like uh, unrealistic beauty standards. I think he puts, or I think there, there's a bit about some, that in the book also in volume two. Yeah. yeah. But after he, they were interviewed about it, th- this question came up while they're being interviewed for volume one, I think. So uh-huh. I think there's some stuff that in like the first couple pages of volume two, that's like definitely questions they got asked yeah. about during volume one. They're like, I'm answering these in the comic. Uh, but they, they actually had a thing and I, I, I can't find the quote, right sure. now, but they, they had, a, they had a thing where they said that like, Oh no, I think that like they, they basically said that they wanted to they cuz the character that she's based on Etta Candy was also a fat character. Yeah. And they basically Which said I they wanted to maintain I that. didn't actually know that this was like a I you know, quote, like yeah. for lack of a better term legacy character when I was reading this. Uh-huh. So like that does like I feel like if I had known that going in, I probably would have like a slightly different or I would have had a slightly different like uh, impression, but going in, it just like felt it, it felt like so much about the way that her character was being portrayed was so mean spirited that like it was kind of uh, I don't know it it felt out of place in a book that I was otherwise really enjoying, but I like with the context that like this was already a fat character who i can only assume the portrayal was even worse in the original uh wonder woman comics uh makes that feel different mm-hmm. and uh and i and i get it a little more but it's just sort of like reading it for the first time i was like really like she's fat and her last name is candy and everybody's fucking talking about how fat she is all the time like it was just like kind of like okay can we get on with this that was my big that was my that was my biggest that's biggest nitpick. that's your biggest complaint with i feel like if that's your biggest complaint about i mean like i have like decent sign i you know i like i feel like i I feel like I have other, like, minor things that will probably sure. come up as we're talking about it. But just, like, that was, like, the, the thing that annoyed me the most, probably. <laughs> Fair. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess we should, you know, Morrison obviously weaves in a lot of uh, sort of big themes. So I, I think we should probably, like, touch on some of those uh, things like uh, queerness, kink, critiques of the military industrial complex. uh you can tell that this book came out over the course of 2016 to 2021 because it goes increasingly further into the sort of like manosphere pickup yeah. artist. Sean Spicer's like in the books as it gets on. Sean Spicer's <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. Just yes. Um. Uh, so, how, how did you guys feel about like? I mean, we can we can sort of go one by one through those, or we can talk about them all kind of together because because they do end up kind of connecting. I, I would like to talk. I would like to start with the the kink stuff. Uh, sure. I just like I wasn't expecting like because I'm 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 obviously I'm familiar with like I I haven't I I didn't want I didn't see the movie. Uh, I heard it, I heard it was good, if so, probably inaccurate. It is good, um, yeah. but uh, definitely well. I mean, like... It depends on if you believe their kids' accounts of what their parents got up to. Sure. Uh, uh, but, but, so, yeah, like, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I, I heard it was good. I'll probably watch it at some point. But, um, I just never got around to it. But, um, you know, like, I'm, like, ambiently familiar with, like, Wonder Woman's origins in kink. And, you know, like, I have to... 
you know, the the man, he had a horny vision, and I have to respect it, really and truly. Um, especially, like, that horny vision becoming one of the big three of DC fucking comics. Like, that's kind of iconic if you if you think about it but um you gotta hand it to William y- you Rush, really man. in this instance you actually gotta hand it to i him. didn't um, realize he created harley quinn but that's also like two characters that's <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy i don't think i knew that either but that also tracks but um no, 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 no. <laughs> alex is making a joke about oh. how jim lee once said that wonder woman was replaced oh in the trinity right 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 no okay i'm just an i idiot. think william marson um, was dead by oh he was time. so dead no was so i just dead. if i had thought about that for literally a single second it would have occurred to me that, <laughs> that was a joke but um no i um you know i i have to respect the horny vision uh but, like, I didn't expect, because the, the like, bondage and submission stuff has been so sanitized out of the Wonder Woman yeah. whole thing, uh, I, I didn't expect it to be as much of a thing in this book, and I thought it was absolutely fucking fascinating the way that this was, like, explored and employed in this book, um... I, I just, I don't know, like, I, I just thought it was really, uh, interesting, <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting how much that became, like, part of the fabric of this story. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is interesting because, like you say, it's something that's been sanitized out of Wonder Woman, but it is such a... It is, like, a part of the, the core character. of the, like, the right. idea of the character when you get down to it. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, and Morrison... Morrison is absolutely right when they say that, like, Wonder Woman isn't a character that, like, fights crime or is a superhero in the same way as other superheroes. It's not her her solutions are 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 not necessarily or originally were not like rooted in the same kinds of violence. I mean, I guess you could say that, like, you know, obviously, like tying people up. Y- you can argue that like, like yeah, dominance and violence. submission is violent, but it's not the same kind yeah. of violent as like beating people up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It is a, it is a different kind of violence. And I one of the things I really like about the first volume in particular is that and a little bit into the second volume as well is that like when she is faces a, a like a, a conflict it's not solved by her like beating the shit out of somebody yeah yeah um or which i mean it's it's, it, it's all of them like even like the only time where she really uses um you know the physical thing to 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 end a conflict is when she's fighting the, with no people there like it, it, it's it's the aries bots and they're well, not actually thing Paula. yeah yeah and then and then i mean she, she does like a friendly not a friendly spar but like a thing with artemis where they're like oh it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. more of a test you know and then they, and then they kiss after kiss and make yeah up as you do yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just fascinating because, like, I, uh, you know, I said at the beginning that all those early Wonder Woman comics found a way to have someone tied up all the time. And this is, like, the way that they were able to um, make it work in this book and really feel like it's 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 true to that core while also, like, not just feeling random. Because a lot of it in those old books really did feel like he was, you know, William Mar- Marster was just like, oh, let's, let's, we have to do it in this issue, we have to do it in this issue. And it was like, okay, this is definitely a kink thing for you um but this it, it felt like it actually made sense which was which is cool to see and i similarly i hadn't read a wonder woman book other than the originals that had th- this side of it which is you know integral to the to the early stuff so there's a lot of um 
and I wish I could do a better Slavoj Zizek impression, but there's a lot of uh, ideology in in this book, as he would say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it is it is very fun, and you know who knows how much of this like Morrison himself uh, themselves actually you know believes. I mean, there's plenty of interviews where they they say all kinds of like different shit about what they actually believe. They're, they're like a very interesting kind of strange yeah. person. Um, but it is interesting to see like the sort of conflict worked out of how uh, worked out throughout the course of this book. I mean, you know, obviously Dr. Psycho is like a villain, uh, but before he's revealed to be a villain, like there is actually a pretty compelling dialogue between him and Diana about like the idea of like, loving the the concept of loving submission and how, you know, it ends up how it can be very close to, you know, what we would think of as tyranny. There's obviously the moment early on in the book, which is the subject of some of the Twitter discourse where Wonder Woman hands a black Steve Trevor a collar and tells her to, him to submit to her uh, and then has to have it explained, has to have the history of like the enslavement of black people in America, yeah. like explained to her, which is like, but that kind of stuff, there's an audacity to that kind of stuff where like, I understand why people will like be un- made uncomfortable by that. Sure, yeah. But that, but that's why I fucking love, that's part of what I fucking love about this book is that Morrison is telling a superhero story and pushing you so outside, pushing you so far outside your comfort zone of like what is typically in a superhero story. Yeah. That, like we actually do have to reckon with the, like, these big ideas about like what superheroes stand for and do have to actually be reckoned with. And the fact that they actually take this opportunity to, you know, it it is not, and I know I bring up Alan Moore all the time, but Morrison is kind of a protege is a protege of, of, of Alan Moore. And it is kind of interesting that they did get to do Wonder Woman Earth One as kind of their book about like, the the in sort of intrinsic fascism of superheroes and actually get to work that out in a comic yeah. in similar ways to like what Alan Moore was doing with Watchmen where you know you get to see And I think it rules. Conflicts. It's great. No, it's great. I love that aspect of it that it is willing to engage with something with like what is a very serious critique of superheroes as a cultural product. Um, but you know, also like draw conclusions from that that's like, oh well that doesn't necessarily mean that this is all just like bad and Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I think Morrison is kind of saying at the end that it's like, yeah, maybe this is maybe we should do this, uh, and you know what? Who whom's amongst us has not wanted to submit to a beautiful woman? Yeah, you know, uh, like I'm <laughs> not a hundred percent on like sure where how I feel on where this book lands, <laughs> uh, and and by the end of it, I I was just I was kind of like squinting inscrutably uh like at some parts of it but like i yeah like i i found i i had no you know i knew basically nothing about this book going in so i had no expectations but i just found everything that it was doing to be utterly fascinating and like Mm -hmm. it just like it really like it seemed like it was trying to grapple with like, 
something that was that made it easy for me to read it even as like a a Wonder Woman novice was that it seemed to be grappling with these all of these ideas that like I was aware of Wonder Woman being associated with through pop culture anyway. So I didn't necessarily have to have all of the like reading comics backstory to understand mm-hmm. what it was trying to go for. Like a, a lot of the things that this book was trying to do were things that like I just would have like ambiently known about Wonder Woman. And I thought that was neat. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, like, um, in the themes that they talk about and and, then they, and they go through and the, like, the way things are portrayed, it does toe a line of, like, well, this could be either, like, exploitative or, or, you know, in the hands of a worse creative team. And there were parts of the book where, like, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And I think it was especially in Volume 2 with Dr. Psycho where I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> but then, you know, the journey of the story to the point where it ends and sort of the, the central thesis, by, by the time you get there, it's kind of like, okay, like... Yeah. It, it makes... It made it made me feel more comfortable with what was happening before that it reached that sort of place. But like, in the process of reading it, there were times where I was like, "Oh, I don't know about that." Yeah, I mean, Morrison uses Doctor Psycho in a way that I think, like, Doctor Psycho is kind of a perfect foil for Wonder Woman because he also can control people uh, much more directly than Wonder Woman can. Um, but I think he's 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 a very interesting foil to her in this book because ideologically, he knows that he has like some. I don't think he actually has, like, telepathy in this book like he does in in other comics. But, you know, he can use hypnotism to make people do what he wants. And his first thought uh, about that stuff is uh, to become a CIA spook and do a bunch of, you know, know, just like the most horrific shit uh, in in the Global South. Um, And and his first thought of, like... yeah, like Wonder Woman shows up and she also has those powers. And he's like, oh, well, she's going to do like all this horrible stuff to us in a, in a way that we don't actually have an option. Uh, we don't actually get a choice in or say in the matter. Um, and so I think that that, that again, it's like one of those things where like it is a little bit uncomfortable, those scenes with Dr. Psycho. But I think uh, Morrison does position him as like this great foil to, to Diana. Um, Absolutely. I, I think one of the other thing, one of the other things is like that is also like kind of uncomfortable, maybe a little, maybe, I don't know, maybe not too, I, for me, I didn't find it super uncomfortable, but I feel like it, at least as controversial is uh, the inclusion of uh, Paula, the the Uber Fraulein, and uh, the way that this book posits that, you know, we those kinds of people can be uh, rehabilitated through something like this. So I'm curious where you guys came down on her character, how you felt about her inclusion and portrayal throughout the book. Um and if you want to comment on how horny for Diana she oh is, oh my gosh, time, she's like, I, but, she's like, know. I killed your mother because I want you. It's like what? Uber Fraulein, please. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it it being a comic book about uh, you know an Amazonian princess makes it a little more different than if it was like, oh, it's a real Nazi kind of thing there. But it it, it fits perfectly with totally. with the thesis of this book and the sort of like loving submission and you know the the belief that people who do horrible things or like you know, our, our terrible people can kind of be rehabilitated and can kind of still be positive forces in the world. And, you know, everyone makes mistakes kind of thing. And that's something that Diana kind of like her, her and Steve Trevor, I think it's, I think it's in volume three where that in the conversation where she's like, where Steve saves her. And she's like, Oh, you know, I, I, I would have saved myself or the Amazons would have saved herself, you know, me. And then she like catches herself and is like, okay, no, I can make mistakes too. Kind of thing. 
um, I'm not saying Nazis just made mistakes, but it, you know, it, in in the thing of this book, it kind of it, it kind of fit, and it was it was it was also campy in a, in a, in a in a fun way, which is weird to say about a Nazi Uber Fräulein. I felt weird about Uber Fräulein. I like. I didn't totally hate, like, her inclusion and her storyline. I felt like the, like, the, the, her getting overtaken by the brainwashing again was, like, a weird, like, it felt more like something that they needed to have happen for the plot to move forward rather than like a logical thing to happen for the character. Um, and maybe that's just me. Um, but like, I, I didn't hate her inclusion. I thought, um, I thought some of it was kind of weird. Um, the, the way that she's like super horny for Diana for like like basically no reason <laughs> um was kind of weird okay there's definitely a reason oh, no 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 I meant like in a I'm I meant like in a doyalist way like there like there's sure, there's yeah. no like it doesn't serve a function of the story necessarily and she's the only that character that horny. really experiences this like you know a lot of people interact with Diana and they're like oh my gosh you know you're Wonder Woman but she's the only one who's like Huh. Wow. I, I don't know. I think Artemis and there's that other Amazon lady at the beginning that are both of them are very clearly. I okay. It's I, different though. It's different. Yeah. I okay. The, okay. Just just a, a little tangent, real quick. Like okay. So it, from the beginning, or like in the beginning, they there's this idea that she and what was her name, Mala, the blonde girl. Um. No, Mala. We're a, we're we're an item. Right? It is a blonde girl. Yeah, but no, no. But but Diana and Mala were like they they. She talks about like they were lovers or whatever before yeah. like uh, Diana. Oh, maybe that is maybe that is Mala. I might be yeah. confusing. Uh, but it, like I just I I would have liked to like it. It felt like. And and I guess this is kind of a problem that I had with a lot of like the Amazonian relationship. Well, and not and not a hundred percent of the time, but like especially towards the beginning, it felt like a lot of the like Amazonian relationships just didn't feel like it didn't feel genuine. Like like they would you know talk about how they were lovers or whatever, but like it it felt like. I don't know, like, I, like, I didn't feel it. Like, I, like, I didn't get that. Like, it just felt like they were just, like, saying that so that I knew that that was a part of the story that I needed to know. Uh, there's very th- little actual romance in the book. Yeah, and, uh, and I understand, like, like for- they're, they're not really having, like, e- e- even these lover ro- relationships, they're not really having, like, super romantic relationships, but, like, I don't know, I would have liked maybe, like, a, just a little something that felt more like they actually had, like, it just, like, when... When they, like, said the stuff about, like, Mala being one of Diana's lovers or whatever, it felt like, I was like, okay. Like, it just felt like it came, it it felt like it came out of nowhere. uh, And, I don't know, like, I just would have liked, like, a little more, like, 
I don't know, like tension in like the when they're doing the whole thing where like Diana's like fucking with the the hunt thing or whatever, where like they're she's supposed to submit because she's Ares or whatever, uh, Hercules or whatever. And, like, I, it just, like, I I just, like, didn't really feel anything there, and I would have liked to have, like, yeah. actually, like, gotten something out of these, like, inter-character relationships. It, it is kind of ironic that this is one of the first to- comics where, like, Wonder Woman is actually portrayed as a queer character, and, like... Because, you know, obviously the the normal mainstream books have pulled away from that. I've tried to stay. Yeah. Or until recently tried to steer clear of that. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, there's not actually very much of that. No. Like, like, it's kind of an afterthought. There, like, there is, um, there is some occasional kissing between women and, like, there is some occasional hugging between women. But, like, the, the most, like, charged, like emotionally sexual scenes or whatever are definitely like between wonder woman and a man which like i don't love (laughs) yeah no that's fair um that's fair i guess that was a tangent from talking about paula right that's how yeah we yeah i uh yeah (laughs) getting back on track yeah, no, I, 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 there's just like a, I think with that character, there's like an interesting tension where on the one hand, I think for Morrison to make their point about the the loving submission stuff, like you almost have to go to something extreme like that. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have someone who's just like a normal kind of bad oh, person. Oh, sure. You have to have like the worst kind of bad person, which I, I think is a little, like that, it's very corny in a classic, in like a, what is a classically superhero kind of Yeah. Movie. And what is weird about that character is that when she kills Hippolyta, it's one of the few instances where it feels like Morrison goes heavily into the Greek mythology stuff, which does not weigh very heavily on this book, except with the the fates in that moment. Oh, I another thing that I really Paula, liked was the like sort of framing with the uh, like the mother ma- like the uh, mother maiden crone or whatever um, the the yeah, three. Yeah. I thought that was the, the, I, the Greek fates. Yeah, yeah I thought no, I thought that was good, yeah. I thought that was neat. Um, I think the idea with Paula though specifically is that Hippolyta made Diana as her child, who was also going to be the destroyer of man's world. And when Diana stopped being the destroyer of man's world, and Hippolyta had this other sort of pseudo child that had been brought to her, she sub- became like the destroyer of man's world, which is why she kind of like goes berserk mm-hmm. uh, at the end of volume two. I-, I feel like that stuff is a little bit rushed. Like I, I love these books. I feel like each volume could have been like 20 pages longer. I think Morrison needed maybe a little bit more space to really get. Yeah. I don't disagree actually. They and they, these books are so, and nice. I like the flashback flash forward stuff, but sometimes it was like, okay, is this a flashback? Is this a flash forward? And like, it was like, just, just trying to sort that out. Um. I, I think going through them, this is my, like, I think third read through, read through the first two volumes and only my first of the third volume. But, like, the first two, vo- I've, I have a distinct memory of the first volume in particular being hard to follow the first time I read mm. it. Um, and that might just be because I was stupid. I, I was like, definitely stupid when I read it, it for the first time. Uh-huh. But yeah. even on the second time, it was a little, like, you know, it was easier to follow, but it was, you know, a couple moments of, <laughs> yeah. huh. 
do you guys feel like the delays in when these were released shows that like 20, like the first volume comes out in 2016, the second volume, 2018, the third volume, 2021. So yeah, I same era, but there have been a lot of seismic shifts. No, in I, I a hundred percent felt the, like the, sh- the time shift in the course of uh-huh. reading this book. Like I could like feel in the way that like political issues were being tackled uh, or even just mentioned, like I could like feel that in the moment for sure. And I don't even say that, like, I don't even think that's to the book's detriment or anything. I could just oh, no, no. like, it, it was just, it was palpable, like in the reading, like when I like, cause what happened was I like, <laughs> I, I got upset about, like, the fat phobia, so I was like, when the fuck did this book come out? And I was like, 2016? What the fuck? Uh, but then, like, the more that I kept reading the book and, like, the, you know, jumping to, like, volume two, volume three, and, like, seeing, like, the years that those were published, like, it it just felt very... It felt very much like these books were published in, you know, 2016, 2018, 2021. And I think, I mean, I think the first volume is the weakest of the three. Just didn't think, like, I feel like Morrison and Paquette really like, I mean, I think Paquette's art is good throughout. And I don't think Morrison's writing, you know, it's not bad in the first one, but I think it just, they have a stronger grasp of of, of what they're saying and it seems to flow much better. Um and I guess it's also like the first volume is a retelling of of the origin story that I've read so many times. So it's 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 also the freshness part of it. But kind of um, playing the hits. Yeah, but I mean, if this was all <laughs> done at the same time, the thing is, like, I understand why Yannick Paquette and Jean Luc. You think it's also Grant Morrison with delays, but like looking at these pages and some of these, I'm like, okay, this one page c- could take you like a month because it's just like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some of I mean, some of the that's... pages are just so fucking gorgeous and detailed that I'm like just. I'm pouring over every pixel on my screen. And, and that's really one of the, one of the benefits of the graphic novel format. As much as I am like in love with, you know, reading serialized comics yeah. as other people maybe aren't, but like one of the upsides of the graphic novel format is you actually can give artists like Yannick Paquette, like as much time as they need. Whereas like, you know, when, when he was drawing Swamp Thing, like there were, you know, every fourth or fifth issue was a fill-in artist. Yeah. Um, so it's it's nice to get the whole thing actually drawn by him, especially when it's an artist of, of Paquette's caliber. Um, the reason that uh, – Al, Al, and Alex and I were talking about this a little bit uh, over the last uh, – a couple days ago, I think. Uh, the reason that I think that part of the reason for the delays is comes from Morrison is that even though they had a plan to do a trilogy from the beginning, I definitely think some of this stuff got rewritten. Yeah. Uh, to sort of – a. a, a not like, and I'm sure like the Doctor Psycho stuff, like the Doctor Psycho and like uh, Baroness stuff is very classic Morrison in terms of like finding old characters and updating them and bringing yeah. them uh, into like contemporary settings. But I think there's definitely some of the like some of the some of the like more uh, like thematics or ideological stuff in this book, I feel like at some point probably got reworked to, to, and I don't think that that's necessarily the reason it took so long, but I think that definitely sort of plays. Well, I mean, we've gone through as like a culture, like some pretty significant shifts in the course of, uh, 2016 to 2021. Like, so I, you know, that, that, that makes absolute sense to me. 
And, and and the thing also though is that like for anyone who was paying attention before that, like you know, it might seem like oh yeah, the Nazi stuff is like a response to Charlottesville or whatever in this book, but like. I don't know. We ha- America had Nazi problems before that. Too, yeah. So it's not like that stuff was necessarily new, but I-, I think some of that may have like been readjusted after like the, during the Trump presidency sure. and after Charlottesville Absolutely. And, and stuff like that. Probably. I mean, you, got, you got can, you can see some pretty direct influences. Like, you know, there's a, Oh, I'm Sean Spicer you know, there's like, in the book. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I was thinking well, more of like, you know, like there's like a clearly like a woman's March. Uh, yeah, yeah. With like the pussy. Um, which was not overdone, thankfully. (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, not to discourse about the women's march or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like it. it, it, I just like I felt like the the like you know portrayals of the women's march in pop culture can go a variety of ways, and I felt Uh like the way that that this went uh, was was good and normal. Yeah, like there, like a significant plot. Well, a significant plot point in the second volume is that Wonder Woman is organizing like yeah. a, a, a women's march. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, and yeah, like I think it is like it. It doesn't feel like oh, we're just doing the thing that happened in real life mm-hmm. after the Trump after Trump was elected. Uh, it, 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 you know, it also just makes internal uh, some degree of internal. Yeah. As well. No, absolutely. Um, I guess my last question, in the interest of time, we can try to get out of here in the next ten minutes or so. Um, but I'm curious, knowing the sort of background for Earth One, how successful you guys think that uh, this particular series of graphic novels is at uh, sort of hitting the stated goals of the Earth One reprint of sort of reimagining characters that are in a way that's, you know, attractive to new readers and uh, gets rid of the continuity and reimagines them as, you know more hashtag relatable uh, characters to, to the modern uh, reader. This might be controversial, so you guys... but I think it hits. Uh-huh. Okay. Like I like, well, you are the, I mean, I am like the target demographic for a book like this. And like, it yeah. really worked for me. So like, I feel like that make, I feel like that's like a marker of success. Like I, I feel like this book, um, if, if the idea is to bring in new readers and, like, reintroduce a classic character in a way that, like, feels more modern without, like, totally abandoning, like, some of the core ideas that were part of the characters built in the first place, like, I feel like this worked. I feel like this, I mean, it, like, it slapped. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say it, like, almost doesn't fit the Earth-1 imprint thing, because the thing I, I, I find most about the Earth-1 ones is they're edgy. Like, you got the Batman okay. one where it's, it, it's like, a little more hard-edged. You got the Superman I... one where it's, a, you know, he has sex, and it's, like, hard-edged as well. Um, I would I would cautiously argue that the willingness to approach the like dominance and submission aspects of the wonder woman mythos i feel like that does lend this book an inherent edge that you might not like feel necessarily like just in in the content but like the fact that 
like they are willing to actually like go into these ideas and actually like treat seriously these like what what are core tenets of Wonder Woman like you know aside from the way that they've been sanded down over the years like I feel like that qualifies as edge yeah and I mean yeah I guess I guess it's like I, I feel like they're like edgy but not edge like I feel like most of the Earth One books are not very good, and this one is is good, so it like kind of stands out. I mean, I haven't read the Lemire one. It's kind of edgy in the sense that it doesn't sound. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, See, like I'm, it, I'm saying edgy, affectionate, and Alex is saying edgy, derogatory. Yeah, yeah. I, what's interesting is that this feels like this feels like actually edgy, and not the sort of like faux kind of yeah you know dark and gritty thing that is sort of what people mean when they say edgy yeah uh this is actually this book is more like it feels like it gets it goes to the roots of like sort of vertigo comics and like you know a lot of early grant morrison books yeah comics they were writing at the start of their career but they are more countercultural rather than these like what they've become which is these like huge like juggernaut franchise and i mean what makes it so successful and you know talking about the ultimates and being like okay like this is a reimagining that is supposed to stay true which i think the other earth one books don't do as well is like this is it takes so much stuff from the from the history that morrison like you know obviously has some like you know adoration for and like likes the classic stuff and the silly things and all that and brings it you know to the core and it, it feels like a a really good wonder woman story and you get all of the pieces of what makes wonder woman wonder woman um, at the core, and it, it it feels so different from what we get in modern days, even though it feels very modern at the same time, because the, the character mm-hmm. just isn't really this character anymore. Yeah, in the in the way that she's portrayed. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I I I I don't think I have a great answer to this question, to be honest, because like I'm not the target audience for it. But it seems like the kind of book that is, uh going to such if, if this is your first wonder woman comic i feel like you're being set up for, and you like it you're being set up for disappointment i <laughs> you, yeah uh because it is <laughs> which i think is kind of fine because i'm not sure that the earth one books are supposed to funnel people to like the monthly stuff necessarily yeah. but like I, the idea that you would read this and it's this kind of like uh introspective book with like a lot of these like really big themes um is not a great intro and, and then you go read david and meredith meredith finch's run on the character you know it's like <laughs> well this is- but you could i mean you could even read azarello's run and it's which I, you and i both love yeah. and it's so different, i mean it's right? like, it's a different it's, take it's, like 100 percent. it's it's like a more adventure focused kind of book it's 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 an it's interesting. Like I'm glad they let Morrison write. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I don't think there's many people who I, could get away. I with can't doing believe like they gave them three volumes of this book. Um, yeah, like you know, I I'm am kind they of did. shocked at like how much and how how good this this book was able to do. Yeah, and 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 again, if it's like if the point of this book is someone picks it up off a shelf, reads it, and doesn't have to read another superhero comic and can enjoy it, that's you know I think that's that's great. Um, Net good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's there's plenty of other good Morrison superhero comics. Name too. thirty. I guess I guess name thirty. I could, but you have a hard. No, I got you. Was this right, my you right. was this my first Morrison book? No, 
superhero book probably we talked about the stranger things thing not it's not actually stranger things uh oh yes that what was it called the boom book, yes uh that came out in 2021 is, oh, is it, yes. we all really liked it on the last podcast. Well, I want to say Dead Body Road, but that's a no, dumb no, no, no. I don't think we we one hundred percent kept up with it. We finished it, but we it did. ended. It was, was fine. It ended kind of. Oh no! Okay, was not, it okay? We didn't like the end. Proctor Valley okay. Road. Proctor Valley Road. Proctor oh, Valley Road. Yep, I okay. I I was higher on Proctor Valley Road than the rest of you guys, I believe. Uh, yeah. But to be fair, Morrison only co-wrote it. Yeah, but yeah like it's still a Morrison okay. joint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to read more. I know we have. I know we have Morrison's action comics. Yeah, I know we. We're I know talk we've about got it. more. We've got more Morrison on the on on the docket. We've got to do. So. Yeah, we'll 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 get to their action comics, the Batman run. I would something, love to do their something, JLA. Something. Uh, and you know, maybe even Green Lantern. I want to just talk about the issue where Green Lantern fights the Christian God. I think that that's that a is, cool one. No, uh, noted friend good. of Gerard Way, Grant Morrison. <laughs> yeah, well, that's an yeah. enemy of Alan Moore. If you read, if you've ever read one Gerard Way comic, like you, you know, Gerard Way is a good comic book writer, but he is doing. I mean, he uh, would not his sort of a dollar store he's, impression. His he, comic book yeah, writing yeah. would not exist without Grant Morrison, and that's just like a fact. I don't want to. I mean. He, uh, yeah. That's fine. He literally wrote Doom Patrol. He literally wrote Doom Patrol. And I don't want to insult Gerard Way, but it's like it's you like if someone not. it's like if someone was doing a My Chemical Romance like impersonator act, and that's what Gerard Way is to, to Grant Morrison. It's like it can be really good, but you're not. He's trying. You're not Gerard Way. It's like whatever the second best pop punk band is. <laughs> that's what like Bob that's Way? what Gerard Way is to Grant Morrison. Fall Out Boys. I, for you, maybe I don't think Fall Out Boy is the second. Yeah, you're right. Song. It's simple plan. You're right. Yeah, they're the first. Good. It does. <laughs> it, it does fall off really hard after My Chemical Romance, though. And I like a lot of pop punk fans. But anyway, uh, Alex, do you have time for a quick cry? Yeah. Before we get out of yeah. Well, I do. Do you hear the sound? Oh, I hear that sound. It's the sound of the next book oh we're going to talk about: the Doomsday Clock. <laughs> Jeff Johns. That's not true. Gary Frank. That's cat. Twelve issues. Um, yeah. really happy. elevates. I will quit the podcast. You know the mediocre Watchmen uh, source material um, <laughs> that was almost bailed out by before Watchmen, but they couldn't quite do it. Uh, Alan Moore's a hack, and uh, yeah, that's all. I'm coming to Toronto and I'm killing. You. <laughs> Yay! Overwatch League playoffs. You can do it. Uh, well, that is the that is the sound of the Doomsday Clock, which is not the next book that we're going to do, but it is what tells us that it's time to uh, talk about our cry spaces, where we talk about um, one thing that uh, you know made us cry this week. And I actually came prepared. Um, <laughs> I know I never do that. Um, my cry space is that the left in America has officially lost. Um, and it's not because of anything political, but because uh, some dumb fuck from Virginia called Oliver Anthony released a song called Rich Men North of Richmond. It changed uh, my political it, views. It, it, it changed the way I look at it, life. And the left has nothing uh, again. The left can do nothing in the face of a really bad country song about uh, welfare queens. I actually so, haven't listened to it. I've only seen the screen cap of this <laughs> ugly man with his ugly beard. 
Yeah, well, my entire political ideology was upended. I, I, I think communism is is a, is a failed ideology. It's dead in the water. Uh, we shouldn't even bother advocating for it. And instead, we should uh, focus all our energy in making sure that 5'3", 200-pound people don't get food stamps. Uh, which, yeah, that is a lyric in that song. No, my actual cryspace is that I've been subjected to seeing this. I, I've been in, uh, increasingly annoyed with with uh, being on Twitter in the sense that people keep putting stupid bullshit in my feed and I have to see it. Uh, this one kind of pushed me over the edge, but there's also like, I guess there was a New York Times article about uh, – teenagers on tiktok trying to do movie criticism oh yeah i haven't actually makes me (laughs) looked at that but it makes me cry whenever somebody puts this stuff in my feed because like it makes me mad when i see this bullshit but also like i don't have to look at that like it's not my i I just i'm increasingly getting the sense it's not my you're not getting paid for it that's That's mostly how i feel about like (laughs) shitty teens online honestly like when yeah but and it's not just the shitty teens it's like i don't care about this fucking stupid virginian irish guy like he's not. oh sure yeah yeah i don't i like all of these people i'm just you know crying in the face of spending hours a day on twitter i guess is my cry space (laughs) that's very fair there's a lot of people in this world. At least, at least TweetDeck still works. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta you just no. Gotta let me just check my off. phone. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. I forgot you. Yeah, yeah. I forgot you managed to uh, to get around it by just logging in. Oh, anyone can get a, anyone can get around it. They, yeah. They, they, I just forgot so that you had I, said that. I I have to use TweetDeck for work. Well, I don't have to use TweetDeck specifically, but part of my job involves being on Twitter, which that's fucked up. You know that that might contribute to to some things. So you uh, so you are like getting paid things. for this. You can't even say you're. Well, I'm not getting paid for being on my personal. Oh. I'm being paid for seeing way worse shit. Though, so. Well, that's my, a good cry space. My cry space is that um, we are recording this on the day that the teaser trailer for Scott Pilgrim the anime has dropped, and I. I have cried many tears over my my joy and excitement uh, for this project. Uh, I know that we were not all uh, n- not all super hype on on the concept when we recorded uh, episode two of this podcast, but uh, the teaser trailer looked fucking dope. And I'm just super excited. Like, uh, the, the studio that animates this, uh, like, I don't remember. It, it's, um, Studio Science something, um, Science Sasu, I think. Um, like, they, they do not miss. And this does not seem to be, uh, th- th- this seems to be in line with that. Uh, the animation looks, uh, incredible. And I'm excited to see where the medium of animation takes the Scott Pilgrim story. I know they're going to be changing some things. I don't know what exactly that means, but I have liked. Emily has some ideas if they would just let her. If they would just let me consult about Kim Pine. (laughs) I have many ideas, which by the way, John Luke on my private Twitter, I I retweeted a really good uh, Scott Pilgrim comic. So you should go check that out. Um, But uh, 
I just, I need Kim Pine to kiss a woman, please, for my health, for my sanity, um, or Brian Lee O'Malley, I will be in your walls and not just because that will, uh, bring me closer to more Snot Girl scripts also. Aww. Uh, but yeah, I know, we had to remember the Snot Girl, best comic of the year every year uh even when it doesn't release issues uh has not released an issue since um 2020 (laughs) has it been since 2020 guys i remember being at tcaf before the pandemic i remember reading that snot girl comic on the plane to go visit friends of mine that live in alberta and then that's when i started hearing about covid was when i was like about to fly back home (laughs) Yep. <sighs> anyway, um they should put they should put Lottie in the snot girl in in the Scottish. Please, yeah. just like put her in a crowd shot. I would like cry and throw up. Have I her would... just like punch punch Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I feel like I feel like you're at that point. I'm asking too much, but like I would love that. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about the Scott Pilgrim anime. Um, I think it it looks like it it's really promising, and uh, I'm I'm super excited about that. Heck yeah! Yeah. This this what's your this past week we had a we had a, we had a meeting mine and Madeline's family for the first time. I mean, the parents had met each other before. But we got all the siblings in. We got my uncle who like doesn't come to stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll come." But I'm not gonna wear any. I'm, I'm, but I'm gonna wear shorts. And we're like, "Okay, you can wear. You can wear Your shorts." Your uncle and I have that in common. Well, that's what I'm gonna wear. That's that's what I'm gonna wear. I hope so. I hope so. Ooh, me and John Luke, we're gonna have shorts. You guys should wear the the, the cutoff shorts. You start off with pants and be like, "I'm just kidding." And then, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up in pants, and I'm gonna go to the bathroom in the middle of the wedding, and I'm gonna turn them into cutoffs. And then everybody, when you walk back in, everyone's gonna be like, <gasps> everyone's gonna turn around and they're gonna be like, what? Those are pants before. That's great. Um, but yeah, yeah the <laughs> the meeting went very well. Everybody had a nice time. And both our families were that's like, great. wow, that, that, that other family's really nice. And I was like, wow, that's great. That's um, so exciting. I love that for you. So yeah. Uh, and then I was gonna make a joke about it being the singing guy on the Twitter, but John Luke already beat me to it. Um, but also. <laughs> I, I've been rewatching Harley Quinn now that it's on Netflix, and uh, still good, still good show. They put it on Netflix in Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, non-Canadians. I mean, <laughs> like I, I just assume it's not on Netflix in the U.S. just because it's on Max, you know. Yeah. So like Max is like, we do have a a service they used to get. It was just like basically like okay, all the HBO stuff goes there. Um, uh-huh. but I guess they 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 ran out of their contract, so Netflix is just getting stuff. So we got like uh-huh. the, the Batman movie, Matt Reeves one, sure. Justice League Unlimited, Justice League. Been watching that too. So yeah, neat. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. You gotta you gotta give Grant Morrison props for uh, dedicating Earth One Volume One to all the Wonder Women out there. So true. They they actually did that. So <laughs> true. Uh, well I guess uh, that'll do it for this episode of Crying in the Book Club if you want to find us online you can follow the Twitter at Crying Book Club uh, you should rate and review us five stars on your podcast platform of choice uh, you should do this for any podcast you like it helps juice the algorithm helps people find us uh, you know tell your friends 
Or don't. I mean, God, I don't want people to listen to this. <laughs> Maybe don't tell your friends. Because if you're listening to this, there's a good chance your friends are my friends. And my friends are your friends. And Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, find me on Letterboxd. I'm JL Botbill. I I have a Twitter, but it's locked and it's not getting unlocked until uh, November of 2024. So, you know, there's not much point. Uh, Alex is on Twitter, also at Alex Hanziak. Uh Emily is at Ampandanata on Twitter, if you would like to follow them. Uh, Emily tweets a lot. Alex tw- has not I retweeted a tweet today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. right. It was for work. That's what I use it for now. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, you can also find Emily on Letterboxd at Pandabore. Yeah. At Pandabore. And uh, the podcast empire uh of imagine me and you in a fresh podcast market and that looks terrible which has new episodes which... coming out i hear <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. there might be some there might be some With episodes coming. special guest editor whoa someone might have committed to doing something someone might have why did you do that? to do something while he was drunk you, you can still back out I allow it. I allow it. Actually, I was. I, I, for, there was part of me that was like, "What if I just synced the audios in Reaper and just listen to these episodes?" Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole reason I volunteered to do it is because I want to listen to the Velma episode. Part two Velma episode uh, is a banger. Part one's good, I've, but part two, been, yeah. I didn't. I only watched the first ten minutes of the first episode, and I've been waiting for months now. To hear about to hear the because Alex refuses to tell me what he thinks about Velma because he said I recorded a podcast and the podcast yeah. will be out. Literally the last time I asked him, he was like, "I'm not." Yeah, you asked me like ten months ago. If, like, if, if you asked me like yesterday, I'd be like, "Oh, here's my opinion." <laughs> the, well, yeah, but like you know, now it's too late. Okay, no, well, no, I'm not maybe, telling you now. Okay, <laughs> okay, great. Uh, but you can look for new episodes of that coming soon, featuring Alex, myself, and. Uh, but don't don't get used to episodes coming out on. T- don't get used to it. Like, I, gonna be- like, like, it's just I, you know, I I do not control the edit of the podcast. <laughs> every so episode, I have, every I, I have no idea when things come. out. I control it. I mean, for you know for that, three you know episodes, that, bit, that Tom you Hanks do. movie where he goes, "I am the captain now." That's me. Forrest Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, it's it's the one about the Somalian. Yes. Um, was that one of his jobs? Uh, Captain was that Captain one of Phillips. Forrest Gump's? Well, no, no, no. Tom Hanks isn't the Somalian pirate. He's like the captain. That's pro- it's probably for the, the it's probably for the, the best. Captain it's probably Phillips. probably would not have been a good a good turn for Mr. Hanks. Probably, probably not. Um, but yeah, do we know what we're doing for the next episode? I don't actually yes. know. Yes, if you'll just let me long-windedly speak um oh my alex is alex is ch- choosing again let me think Ooh, let's do tinted in the blue lotus it's a, <laughs> it's a classic I, oh i'm really excited i've heard great things sounds good yeah I've heard heard it's the good it's really good it's really good but that was in fact a joke because next episode we're doing the the one the only I don't know. It's not very clear. You know it's what? Not very clear. We're doing another Grant Morrison book. We're 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 talking about Grant Morrison's New Fifty Two Action Comics. Action Comics numbers one through seventeen. Uh, also issue zero. 
I think, is in there somewhere. We definitely had a conversation, like, a month ago, where we ran through books till the end of the year, including Halloween stuff. Um, but, too bad. Next week, Action Comics, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they, I, you didn't say anything. I thought you were going to choose something, so now I'm just here just being for, we're, we're choosing. Why don't we do Yu-Gi-Oh? Maybe that was it. Maybe we did talk about that, actually. But I, I swear we wrote it down somewhere. We're good we at this. Well, probably in a disc, probably in a Discord message. Mm. Okay, so do you we, do we talked Grant? about doing Sweet Tooth, and we talked about uh, the Crow, but the Crow we want to wait for for, for October. Halloween. Although we're getting close to. Wait, let me do something. <laughs> think. We like to thank far. our sponsor. Okay, no, no. That... <laughs> we're less for this episode is coming. This episode is the first September episode, so we need. Okay, so action things. comics because Yu-Gi-Oh! The first volume is a little spooky because Yugi does some murder. <gasps> oh, oh, so murder. should we do that we for another? Uh, yeah. We'll do that for as the second Halloween episode. Yeah. 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 Well, next week, action comics. Two weeks from now, action comics. Grant Morrison, Rags Morales, and uh, I think an more. And an Eisner, an Eisner winning issue by Eisner by Gene Ha. Yeah, more Mister Mixelplex. Wow, coming to a podcast near you. We wow, three DC Comics books in a row. We we can't do any more for the rest of the year. I just after after next week, no more. We'll have to do Marvel books. And we don't have to do that. <laughs> we don't have to go that far. It's okay. Hey, we could we could we could go do the Grant Morrison triple threat. We could do their X Men book. Thoughts. Yeah, we could do Animal Man. Nah, right, well, we'll 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 talk about that. We'll we'll do some other. We'll talk about stuff off the off the. Yeah. Air. But yeah, if we're all if we're all cool cool with Grammar's and Action Comics, we can do that next time. Um, yeah. Uh, that might be the next episode. That might not be the next episode. In the meantime, it will come out in two weeks from today. Loving yeah. submission. Do it up, guys. <laughs> loving submission. Me and who for real? <laughs> Goodbye. I was waiting for the. I was waiting for the end music to play, but I realized no. it's not. Oh, no, that's the American National Anthem. You guys have to stand. Oh Salute, yay. You're, you're supposed to put your hand over your heart or whatever. I, I am also stopping recording. <laughs>